0: Just one week remains in the MLS season as Decision Day 2019 looms. Toronto FC have already secured their ticket to the dance, but where they will be dancing remains to be seen. Meanwhile, the Canadian men's national team are getting set for a massive meeting with the United States We will chat about both on this week's Footy Talks podcast. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and we have a show favorite back on the pod this week as Michael Leach of 680 News and One Soccer joins the show. Michael, looking forward to chatting as always. Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell. Uh, before we get into the show proper, on October 11th at the Rec Room in Toronto, Footy Talks once again hosting a rally event with Canada Soccer and the Voyagers ahead of that United States match. There'll be select members of the Canadian Men's National Team in attendance, a free drink ticket and a shirt, and more if you attend. Free with RSVP, head over to homestandsports.com slash events for de- details, you can get them all there, uh, as well as RSVPing for free, but... Um, before we get into the Canadian men's national team as we will do later on in the show let's talk some Toronto FC because uh, it's it's kind of that weird part of the season we were talking just before we got on where we can't quite talk about playoffs because they do have one game left but that's pretty much where everyone's mind is at this point Um, still some permutations for them on decision day uh, and in some ways that came because of uh, a bit of a disappointing draw with the Chicago Fire disappointing draws seeming to be uh, a theme lately but um, a, a draw that kind of took the control out of Toronto FC's hands because, um, you know, the, going into that match, if if they gotten a win, they would be uh, leading the way in terms of getting that home playoff date. But now, uh, everything kind of out of their hands, as I said, going into that final match day, a draw. I guess you could kind of expect this team hasn't always dealt the best with disappointment in the past. If you look back to, uh, of course, the almost lost season based on the the Concacaf Champions League final, but. Um, I guess to be expected a little bit, they came out a little slow and and maybe weren't able to get the result they wanted.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I, listen, uh, they're in the playoffs and I I think, you know, at certain points over the course of this season, I've been told by anyone who has been willing to tell me that uh, Toronto FC wouldn't even be in the playoffs this year. So they're there. Mm. Um, Now you're looking at the possibility I guess, very outside possibility of hosting a playoff game. But if I'm TFC and I've I've spoken to a couple of members of their staff and they're not too unhappy at the prospect of where they sit right now as we head into decision day, and that would be a matchup in Chester, Pennsylvania against the Philadelphia Union. The feeling is that the Union would come out and play – much along the same lines as say Atlanta United, who they could also I think believe they could potentially face them uh, down in Atlanta, or the game that they had at LAFC, uh, where they were able to play. They didn't. They weren't playing against a team that was hell bent on just sitting back, bunkering down, defending for ninety minutes, and trying to nick something on the counter. And the feeling is that even if they were at home, particularly if they were at home. Uh, against a dc united or the new york red bulls that that's the kind of game that they would have is they would be facing you know a team that puts 9 10 even maybe even all 11 behind the ball and then just waits for a turnover and then tries to score something uh, uh, out of that so for tfc i think a trip to philadelphia may not be the worst thing in the world
0: that's a good point. We'll talk about some of the potential matchups a, a little bit later on for Toronto FC. Um, let's talk about that that kind of run that Toronto FC has been on, where it seems like the narrative has almost turned. For a while, it was this unbeaten streak and the fact that the club was going into the playoffs uh, in decent form, and I still believe that to be the case. That they're they're definitely you know in. in one of the better forms of teams in the eastern conference going in which is um, which is always a positive going to the playoffs it's so much about momentum but at the same time you look down um, this recent run of form and yes only one loss but at the same time they've dropped points from a leading position four times which is again not great when you're going into critical games like that can you look back at those games and um, you know the Westberg gaffe at New England away, a place where Toronto FC rarely wins. The Pozuelo missed penalty against New York City, a game that would have been pretty massive for them in terms of, uh, you know, confidence going in beating the best team in the Eastern Conference at the moment. The Mavinga penalty conceded late against LAFC in what would have been another statement game, and then leading against Chicago and uh, and missing out on that opportunity potentially to have a home playoff game. Um, you know, win any of those and all of a sudden you've got that significantly more confidence as well as, as I mentioned, probably a home playoff game going into, um, you know, this year's playoffs. So it's in some ways, while it's been a good run, uh, there's still almost that I guess lack of execution in the big moments and those individual mistakes that are still creeping up on this team, and uh, for, for me, in some ways, that might be the difference maker in the playoffs—is whether they can uh, eliminate those at, at the key moments.
1: Well, for me, I mean, you can look at it. I mean, you can look at it a number of ways. They, yes, they have the unbeaten streak. Yes, there are a lot of draws in there, but it's kind of the way that they've done it. It's it's the individual errors that come playoff time become really magnified. Mm-hmm. If you have a gaff like Westberg had at uh, Gillette stadium or, you know, a, a, a situation where Chris Mavinga has a moment of madness, the way he did at ba- uh, bank of California stadium, that can be the difference between going, you know, particularly now in a, in a one game elimination scenario that, that can knock you out of the playoffs. Um, so, you know, they've conceded in all of these games. A lot of them have been from the penalty spot. They've, they've given up. I don't know what the statistics are in terms of penalties conceded, but TFC has to be towards the top of the list in terms of penalties conceded mm-hmm. this season in MLS. And that's, you know, that's something that has to be cleaned up. Some of it's VAR-related, but, you know, generally, even if it goes to VAR, you may not like it, but there's enough there to see a penalty in most instances. Uh, you know, frankly, it's just cleaning up the individual errors because as a team, as a whole, I think they've played well enough to win a number of these games, particularly in some tough places. You mentioned New England. New England has always been a bogey place for, for TFC to play. New York City, they're, I mean, they're, they're playing so well right now. LAFC, we've seen what they've done. So to pull even single points out of those venues, you know, certainly that's a positive. It's just the way that they've done it has to be a cause for concern in, in some way. And, and they, they just have to clean up the individual
0: errors. Yeah, they certainly do. And as I said, that's probably going to be the, one of the big factors remaining in the season in terms of how well they do in the playoffs. Um they do still have that one game left against the Columbus crew. Uh, again, they could potentially sneak into that fourth spot should uh, both DC United um, and... I gotta, I, I'll, sorry, I'll stop ahead.
1: you right there. I'll stop you right there. Mm-hmm. Because you, Red Bulls have to travel to Montreal to Stad Zaputo. Mm-hmm. If you're the Montreal Impact, do you want to go and win that game and potentially allow your biggest rivals <laughs> to secure a home playoff date? Now, I know... D.C. United, I think they've got, I I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think they've got FC Cincinnati. They do, yeah. So, I mean, there's a good chance that's, uh, there's a better than good chance that's going D.C.'s way. But, you know, I think at this point, if you're TFC, I think you got to just go out there, do what you have to do against Columbus, go win the game, everything will fall where it will, but I think you, you have to sort of have your bags packed and get ready to go on the road here.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, like you said, there's uh, the the chances of them um, getting that home playoff game are are pretty slim. Uh, I guess the the only things going for them is that Rooney is suspended for that game, but again, a, a Rooney-less DC should still um, beat one of the worst expansion sides in in MLS history statistically. So, um, and and again, Montreal. I mean, that's a team that. Probably has is mostly packed it in and might play a, a pretty young lineup for their final game of the season. We'll we'll see there, but um, with with that in mind, how do you handle this last game against um, uh, against a Columbus team that you know obviously are out of the playoffs as well? So um, you could potentially beat them, you know, with with resting some players. And uh, I wonder if that's something that Greg Vanny considers, considering especially guys like Alejandro Pozuelo. Uh, Martin Bailey was doing the statistics. He's played 73 games this season. Uh, If you add you know those games he played in Belgium all the way back in July so it's been pretty constant for him that's a game every 5.89 match days and uh, there's times this season certainly where he's he's looked like he's played that many games and uh, I wonder I just wonder if you're going into the playoffs and and there's probably some other players as well who fit into that category you know you want to make sure they're as rested as possible and ready to go and uh, as we said there might be you know, even winning that Columbus game, it's it's great for momentum's sake, but uh, I think it's almost more critical that you have a rested lineup going into those crucial games.
1: Now I look at it completely differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, go win that game, particularly with the number of draws that you've had recently. I think you want to have some momentum going into the playoffs, and we have to remember this isn't like uh, years past where. You know, decision day is on Sunday, and then you could be playing a playoff game. Uh, you know, the 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 knockout round games on the Wednesday or Thursday. We're looking at almost a, a full two weeks off here because of the international break. Now, I understand TFC have a, a number of players, uh, you know, who will be joining their national teams for for the international dates. Um, you know, so uh, really, I, I think though for the team. And for Greg Vanny, just put out your put out your side, and go win the game.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, again, momentum is pretty crucial going into the playoffs, so uh, I can see that side of it. And of course, um, as you said, there is a bit of a a bit of a break, and I guess Poswell is one of those players who uh, can take advantage of of that you know, a couple of weeks off. So um, that's not a bad point, but I don't know. I think, I just, I just think that uh, even for those guys like Josie and Bradley who will be playing during that international break, you, um, you know. Good luck getting Bradley off the field. Yeah, that's that's a fair point as well. <laughs> that's always a fair point. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Greg Vanny handles that game at any rate uh let's move on to that playoff discussion because as you said at the moment toronto fc uh would be playing the philadelphia union and uh, again i think you made some good points as to why that might not be the worst matchup for them uh, even if philadelphia's had a pretty good season but uh you know it, it, things could go a number of different ways here on decision day um as toronto fc moves up and down the the table I think if I've done my math correctly, New England and, and of course New York City uh, having that automatic buy are the only teams that they potentially can't play. That leaves Atlanta, DC Red Bulls, and the Union as all options. Um, you know, are there any of those matchups you'd want to particularly avoid as Toronto FC, or uh, how do you? Which ones do you see as kind of the, the more favorable and less favorable of those of those teams?
1: The one I think I find most favorable is probably the union on the road I, and and they've they've beaten Philadelphia in Philly now granted that was opening day of the season way back in March a lot has changed since then so i don't i don't have a problem with them going to Philly and i actually really don't have a problem with them going on the road i know a lot of people talk about the importance of home field particularly in single game elimination playoffs I I really feel this team with the experience that it has in the big games that they've played in. I, I don't think they'll be phased by having to go play at say Atlanta United. In fact, going to play in front of seventy thousand at Atlanta main that that's that's the kind of situation that this team TFC that is kind of relishes. So I think you know the one the, the, the teams that I. The New York Red Bulls going to Red Bull Arena. We talk about Gillette Stadium and how difficult it is to play for TFC at Gillette Stadium. Red Bull Arena, now I know they won in the playoffs at Red Bull Arena in 2017. That might be one that I want to avoid. DC, I think they can beat DC, both home and away. Uh, But I think the Red Bulls... I may have been just laying in the weeds a little bit. I, I would worry about them that in fact, if I'm anyone in the East, I'm not sure I want to play either the New York red bulls or Toronto FC, particularly if you're New York city FC, Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think New York city FC
0: could lose to both of those teams. Yeah, and if, if you're Toronto, you know, traveling on the road to, to Red Bull Arena is never a great spot to be, certainly. Um, I, I do like the point that, you know, some of those some of those bigger venues and, and bigger games, certainly Atlanta, um, are something that Toronto FC has has done very well in in the past and certainly they have a lot of players you think of Altador, you think of Asorio, those kind of players that uh step up really in those big moments the bigger the moment the bigger the stage they seem to uh they seem to step up and have big games so yeah i i'd agree i think Toronto FC is a is a very tough matchup for anyone in that first round especially considering the way they've played over the last little bit so uh definitely going to uh be to, intriguing there go ahead to
1: that point I mean, watching the game at Bank of California Stadium, LAFC and, you know, the 32-52 and the, the, the fan support that they have there. And that was a big game. That mm-hmm. was a really big game. And, and you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're going, you know, could, could this team maybe fold under that pressure? And then you think back, it was only just over a year ago that they were playing Club America at the Azteca. Uh, that they were playing in El Volcan against, uh, against um, not Monterey, but um, Tigres. Tigres, yeah. So, you know, this team, I think, is really, really... The bigger the spotlight, the brighter the spotlight, I think the more likely they are to show up. Michael Bradley talked about, uh, in the run-up to the Canadian Championship, about how when he was asked to, to, to sort of make a comparison about 2019 LAFC versus 2017 TFC, he was like, we're not done yet. Like the biggest games for our team are still ahead of us, not behind us. Mm. So I think they're, they're really looking forward to, to getting into this playoff run. And I'm, you know, they could go out in the first round. Anything
0: can happen. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a deep run into the playoffs. Well, that's uh I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of Toronto FC fans getting uh pretty excited by that chatter certainly with how the season's gone and as you said there were times this year where we weren't even sure playoffs were guaranteed when Toronto FC was struggling through the summer and it really seemed like they lacked an identity. Um they seem to have that a bit more now, so um definitely looking forward to to the playoffs and and uh you know once we get there and can have a concrete opponent for them to to talk about, but uh, where things get really wild in MLS on decision day and where you know the the day really lives up to its name is out in the west the western conference playoff race uh, we'll talk about it just briefly here but it's it's pretty wild that's uh that, that's you know that's certainly where I'll be more tuned into uh during this just because you know the eastern conference at the very least you have the seven playoff spots wrapped up and it's just about positioning and do you the positioning is not that wild in terms of the scenarios but out west, you know, you've got Portland FC, Dallas, San Jose, and somehow Colorado has snuck their way into the conversation. The odds aren't very good that they'll make the playoffs, but they're still at least, you know, have a chance going to that final day. So it's it's gonna be a little wild on the West Coast during uh, Sunday, isn't it? That Portland San Jose
1: game is gonna be that's the game to watch, mm-hmm. realistically, because the winner of that more than likely makes the playoffs. Uh, Colorado. Outside chance. I mean, that's that's Robin Fraser taking over that team and sort of really pushing them forward and getting them into the race. Uh, FC Dallas. It's going to be curious to see. I think they're playing up against Sporting KC, and I'm I'm curious to see what kind of response that SKC has for uh, for FC Dallas. Obviously, this season not going the way that that Sporting Kansas City would have wanted. They're to me kind of the 2019 version of Toronto FC in 2018. Um, they've had some deep runs in the playoffs, Concacaf Champions League, and then they get the bout of injuries, and and they just really haven't been able to recover. So I'm curious to see what kind of uh, resistance that SKC puts up for for FC Dallas, but. That that Portland San Jose game is obviously the marquee game of, of the weekend because the winner is in and the loser is, you know, obviously if San Jose lose, they're out.
0: But um, you know, Portland could be in trouble too if they don't win that game. Yeah, and a lot of those sides struggling mightily down the down the stretch here. So um, I, I think there'll be a lot of disappointment from basically any of these fan bases. Potentially not Colorado, considering the run they've gone on late. But any of these fan bases, if their team missed the playoffs, so that makes it even more interesting. Um, obviously, a week left, but I don't think it really changes much in, insofar as MLS Cup favorites. Um, it's it seemed like for most of the year here, LAFC were the the runaway favorites. You know, there there's still the potential that they set the the points record. Their final game comes against Colorado, and and you know a win would do it for them, but only two wins in their last seven games. Um, you know, they, they just haven't quite looked that same level, and obviously it's, it's really tough to maintain that level for an entire season. But as we mentioned, you know, momentum going into the playoffs is so important. Are there any other clubs you think that have now kind of worked their way into that conversation in terms of uh, MLS Cup favorites?
1: If I'm LAFC, I'm looking at my potential first playoff game being against – the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. and that would concern me a little bit because the Galaxy have had some success against LAFC this season. Uh, I don't think you can ever discount Seattle. Uh, Minnesota, it's their first trip to the dance. They've had a wonderful season. I'm not sure that they're quite there uh, in in terms of a, a serious contender. Obviously, you look at the East. New York City has really come on towards the end of the season. Played really, really excellent soccer. Uh, there, you know, they've had playoff troubles in the past. I wonder whether that history will haunt them. I do think they're probably the favorites to come out of the East, but you look at Atlanta United. I'm not so hot on on the Union. They could again, New York Red Bulls, Toronto FC. If you're looking for a dark horse out of the East, I would look at one of those two teams, Toronto FC or 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 the New York Red Bulls. But certainly out of the East, you'd have to look at New York City and Atlanta United as as the two favorites.
0: Yeah, I'm going to feel pretty robbed if we don't get that LAFC, LA Galaxy playoff game, just considering the games they've had during the regular season. And quite frankly, almost every game those two sides have played against each other since they've come into the league. There's always been drama. And that's the one side that has really been almost the boogeyman for... Uh, LaFC is Galaxy, and and on top of that is Latan. That's a player that you know most of the league really can't deal with. But LaFC has struggled in in a whole new way, especially considering their success to to deal with Latan Ibrahimovic. So I really want to see that matchup. That would be you know that, if, in terms of going to the playoffs. That's probably the matchup I'm most excited about if it if it happens. That could be an even
1: game.s Latan scores a hat trick and they win three two, and and LaFC is out. So
0: yeah I mean anything can happen there yeah and uh, I guess speaking of rivalry matchups as we move on to our Canadian men's national team segment um, a a very big one there with Canada taking on the United States in the Nations League at home at BMO Field both teams named their rosters this week let's start with Canada Um, I guess not any real surprises for Canada in terms of we've We've kind of seen very similar players called in from John Herdman consistently. Um, that consistency with which he's been able to bring them in, I think, is is a net positive considering you know, the past in terms of Canada and, and some of the commitment levels. But uh, I guess the headlines being Scotty Arfield the Rangers coming back in, Canada's captain after some injury concerns for uh, those Cuba matchups. And then Steven Eustachio uh, of Cruz Azul just coming back from injury now, getting his first camp with Canada. Um, whether or not we see him remains to be seen. But, um, you know, what did you make of, of this Canada roster overall? And, and, you know, how I guess it matches up with the American one. Well,
1: it's good to see our field come back into the team. Obviously, um, Ustakio, you know, defensive mid- midfielder. Canada. We saw at the Gold Cup really struggled at the back. I think they they mm-hmm. need they need a, a midfielder, a de- defensive midfielder, to sit on top of that back line and offer a little bit of protection. Because I'm not, I'm still not sure that that back line is good enough to. I mean take the Cuba games out of the equation because Cuba's not anywhere near on the level. Uh the US is it's going to be a tough game and uh John Herdman believes that they can win that game against uh against the US and I don't see why not. It, the the US is not in a great sort of set of form right now. Mm-hmm. And This is a key game for Canada because with the new qualification standard or format, it's critical for them. I think they're sitting 7th in CONCACAF in the FIFA rankings right now, 7th or 8th. They're really, really close to that line to get to that 6th spot and get themselves into the hex because I have a hard time seeing them being able to do it through the the seven through thirty five and you know that that whole thing, they they really need to get into the hex here. So that game, October fifteenth at BMO Field is huge, and they need that place packed. They need it full of red and white Canada shirts. They need. I, I'm hoping that BMO Field will be sold out for one for that one because it's a
0: huge huge game. Yeah, I would agree. We've seen the. The impact, you know, stadiums have certainly had on the Canadian men's national team in terms of going away in the past and how difficult it is to, to play in CONCACAF. It would be nice for, you know, probably one of the biggest games in, in years for Canada for them to have uh, a packed out home stadium and, and good support. So um, that'll be, you know, that would be incredible for them and, and hopefully something we'll see over the, the next little bit in terms of you know the ground wave of support for a team that has all the talent to uh, to really make a statement within the region and um, speaking of the U- United States roster I think there's there's two names that stand out I think the narrative, at least in the states around this team, has mostly been uh, about who's not there, you know, you've got your Paxton Pomiel who isn't there, Sergino Dest, uh, the Ajax defender who's still trying to decide between the United States and Netherlands, and I think they were kind of disappointed that he said no to them. So that's that's been the, the majority of the discussion, but there's obviously two names that for most Canadian men's national team fans jump off the page, and that's Michael Bradley and Josie Altador. You know, you talked about that home atmosphere for Canada and the advantage that would provide well there's probably not two more two players more comfortable in the stadium than Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, and those are kind of the two guys that going into this game I think most Canada fans will have circled on on the lineup sheet in terms of guys that could potentially hurt Canada just you know in terms of what they've been able to do at BMO Field in the past.
1: Uh, It's going to, it's probably going to be a bit of a weird experience though for, for both of them, Mm -hmm. because you talk to players who go into stadiums where they were, they played for a number of years as a member of the home team. And once they go there as a member of uh, an away team, the feeling is a lot different because you're going into a different locker room. You're, you know, you're entering the stadium in a different place, it's just not quite the same. Of, of course, once they get out on the field, no one's going to know the field better than than those two guys. They, they'll know every... I mean, you watch Michael Bradley two hours before a game. He'll be out walking around the field checking for every little <laughs> bump and, you know, divot and that that sort of thing. So they know the pitch very well. It's just I think the atmosphere is going to feel... A little bit different for them, Uh, of course. As you say, both teams, uh, both players, have had incredible success in that stadium. uh, You know, as a part of Toronto FC, Uh, you know whether that carries them to, you know, Josie scoring goals like crazy in in the Stars and Stripes at BMO Field in front of the South End. That will not be a friendly South End this time. Uh, Obviously, we'll have to wait and
0: see what uh, what happens in that game. Yeah, one more note uh, f- from this camp is, or from the, these rosters announced for uh, this camp, is is another Canadian Premier League player uh, brought in. Um, uh, I guess it will be in some ways nice when these aren't full on headlines and when this is more of a, a regular occurrence, but Emer Diddick um, getting the call in, a player who's had a pass of the Canadian men's national team, been called into a camp before uh, a couple of years ago, as well as a couple of caps for the under 23 team. Um, what have you seen from him in, in the Canadian Premier League this season, and and potentially what caught John Herban's eyes to bring him into uh, a defense that, as you mentioned, you know, not incredibly deep, and and hasn't looked, um, you know, certainly isn't their best aspect going into these matchups.
1: Uh, it's funny because I've I've been a, f- a real big fan of Amir Didic all season long with FC Edmonton. That said, and and he is completely deserving of a call up if john herdman was going to call up one player from the canadian premier league he would not have been the player that i would have that i would have picked um to have getting that that call from the canadian men's national team to me dominic zator of cavalry fc um has been lights out all season long you have to wonder cavalry is getting ready for the Canadian Premier League Championship Final, and that that tit, you know that starts a week or two after after the uh, the national team camp makes you wonder whether you know they they want to keep Zator in Calgary to sort of go through the preparations for that that cup final against Forge FC. You know, again Didic though fully deserving of the call up Uh, you know fc edmonton's defending for the most part this season has been really one of the bright spots for that team um so you know he to me he's fully deserving of that call
0: yeah it's yeah like i said it's it's great to see um especially in the inaugural season some of these canadian Premier league players get an opportunity here and and to kind of show that this is a pathway to the national team um, through the league. I, I think there's, in in some ways, there's kind of an over, um, I don't know, like people seem to to favor the Canadian Premier League players in a way because they get to see them every week. I know there was some, I don't know, there was some statements made on Twitter about questioning whether Liam Miller in the Scottish Premier League is playing at a higher level or that much higher level than the Canadian Premier League. I think, you know... It I, is. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it is. I mean, let's not... I you know, I'll be the first to tell. I've been very impressed with the level of play from the Canadian Premier League this year. It's it's far exceeded my expectations, but let's be very realistic here. We're talking about a league that is in the first year of its existence. They're still very much trying to figure out who and what they are, both at the league level and at the club level as well. The level of play has been phenomenal, but it's not the Scottish Premier League. Let's let's be very, very clear about <laughs> that. Um, Liam Miller, you know, is you know, I I think he's again, I think he's a guy that's deserving uh, of being uh, selected to the to the men's national team. Uh, anyone that wants to try and put the Canadian Premier League and the SPL on the same level at this point. I think that's probably a bit too much of a stretch.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, I guess that's kind of my point: is that you know, just because these players are playing in the Canadian Premier League and we're seeing them week in, week out, doesn't necessarily give them, you know, more of a claim to a national team spot. And you, you want to see Herbman call in the best, especially for a matchup like this. I would say you want to see him calling the best players who are to. playing in the best leagues, because yeah, you, you know, you're you're trying to win games. This isn't, you know, this is a must-win game. Yeah, this is. This is a must-win game against the United
1: States. John Herdman needs to have his best 11, his best 18. He needs to have the best players in camp to select from for that U.S. game because, I mean, if they want to qualify for 22, the Hex is by far their best shot at qualifying for Qatar. I just think going through the... Seven through thirty-five in Concacaf to try and get into that, you know, the the, the whole convoluted thing. No, they they this is this is a game they've got to have because the points available
0: are it's it's critical. Yeah, and I think Greg Berhalter, the U.S. Men's National Team coach, made the point in in the lead up that. Um, you know the U.S. men's national team doesn't exist to develop players. They're they're there to win games, and um, you know it's kind of the clubs that that are meant to develop the players. Obviously, Canada just getting a set of clubs, but um, yeah, I think that's that's just something that I, I don't know. I kind of wanted to mention because it looks it seems like every camp there's players being being picked apart and being asked as to why Canadian Premier League players aren't aren't there instead, and there's there's probably a couple cases where it's the case, but um, I, I feel like people are maybe being a little bit too biased towards the Canadian Premier League players. As much as I said, I'd love to see them there, but uh, John Herbman really has to call his best players into this camp, and at this moment in time, uh, most of those are playing in, in Europe and uh, at leagues with a slightly higher level than the Canadian Premier League, but um moving on listen let's, yeah go ahead listen diddich is not out of place
1: mm-hmm. uh a guy like tristan borges he would i would i would offer him a spot in that camp if they didn't have the depth up, up front that they have you know you look at the players the offensive players for the attacking players for canada um borges is good enough in in years past but now that you've got players like Jonathan David and Alfonso Davies and yeah. Junior Hoylet. I mean, there's, there's just there's so much depth there. Um, I look at a guy like, again, the player I mentioned, Zator. There are a couple of other players throughout the Canadian Premier League. I mean, they are they are worthy of at least a call-up into camp and a look. And that's not being biased towards the Canadian Premier League. I think the Canadian Premier League is of critical importance to developing our national team going forward, particularly as we get ready for 2026. I just think there are too many unknowns right now and they're still trying to figure out a few too many things. I think I think the Canadian Premier League, they should be thrilled to have had Marco Carducci again deservedly called into the last camp and now Amir Didic. I think this is a Tremendous, tremendous success for the CPL.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'd agree, and I think, uh, I think the Olympic team coming up later this year or next year is where you're really going to see um, more of these players get involved, and and that's really where the impact of the Canadian Premier League is going to be felt. Is those under twenty three players who are now getting the professional environments uh behind them that will now be you know able to be familiar with one another and, and play at a high level so uh that's where I'm really excited to see the impact of the Canadian Premier League but uh, you know I wonder if Card- our Carducci like you said is even one of those players who Uh, as a result of of the Canadian Premier League final and and where Cavalry's going maybe um, wasn't called into this camp because he probably wouldn't have played regardless. He would have been that third keeper again. But anyway, Jason Lutweiler is that third keeper instead. But let's talk about that Canadian Premier League final because it was finally confirmed um, that it will be Cavalry taking on Forge. I think we've known for a little while that this was likely to be the case. You know, the two clubs that have really... Um, come the best out of the gates and made the biggest impact in this first Canadian Premier League season and two sides that really don't like each other. So uh, this, this is going to be a fascinating Canadian Premier League final. And and really, I can't wait to see what happens in it. Obviously, these are the, these are the two teams
1: that have stood out. I mean, three, four, five steps above everyone else. And they're the two teams that had the most structure, the most familiarity going into the season was in the one soccer studios yesterday on Thursday, and we we looked at the cumulative points table. If if you were to take the spring and fall seasons away and just look at um, where the teams sit, it's like a twenty one point gap between second place, which is Forge. Cumulatively, I know they're leading the fall standings, but cumulatively. Forge sits second with 50 points. You have to go way down to 29 points where FC Edmonton is. And it's wow. only a five-point gap. It's a five-point gap between Halifax, who sit bottom of the table, and FC Edmonton, who sit third. If, we, if the Canadian Premier League had a playoff where even, say, a third-place team was in, everybody would still be in. And, uh, you know, I'm sure the league is going to look at at the playoff structures going forward into next year. But you look at the, the bottom five teams, all five teams have consistently struggled with inconsistency. They'll go on a run of a couple of positive results, wins or draws. Like you look at Halifax right now, they're sitting bottom of the table. I think they're undefeated in six, but they're all draws. Mm-hmm. They can't find a way to win how uh, 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 forge and cavalry have been clinical. They've been ruthless, but they've also been, they've just been consistent. They've been machine-like and the familiar, the familiarity within those squads allows them to do that game after game after game. Bobby Smirniotis in Hamilton with forge and Tommy wielden junior in, in Calgary with cavalry, they know that regardless of which players they put out in their starting 11 for any given game, they have a pretty good idea of what they're going to get. Whereas you look at at a coach like Jimmy Brennan or Rob Gale in Winnipeg with Valor, uh, Jeff Paulus in Edmonton, and so on down the line, those coaches, you can see they're ready to pull their hair out sometimes because (laughs) every time they take the field – they're not really quite sure what they're gonna get from their team on any given day. The difference to me, it's just all about consistency, and it's about the structure and familiarity that Cavalry have and Forge have had. That's why they are where they are, and the other teams with the inconsistency sit well behind. That final, though, should be spicy because those two teams met up in the Canadian championship, Canadian championship. I think it was qualifying round two might've been the qualifying round three, but they met the the, the game at Tim Hortons field. There were all sorts of allegations of inappropriate conduct. Uh, That game was extremely physical. Uh, Cavalry's Jose Escalante, who's one of my favorite players in the league because he's, he's such a pesky pest (laughs) player gets under the skin of the opponent. Um, He got under the skin of, of forge that day. Uh, Cavalry scored a late penalty to, to tie that, that first leg and then went back to Spruce Meadows and got it done. Of course, Spruce Meadows itself. What's the weather going to be like in Calgary? There were a lot of complaints about the pitch um, by Rob Gale, uh, Valor's coach, uh, they played midweek. Uh, there had been a massive snowstorm in Calgary going into that game. The way that the pitch had been cleared off, um, there were a lot of complaints about ice on the pitch, and so that that there, there are so many interesting storylines that we that we going into this final. It could be a heated game, you know, series of games. The weather. And this is Canada, Canadian Premier League. You never know what you're going to get in November um it should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, it certainly should. First leg goes October 26th at Tim Hortons Field of the second leg November 2nd in Calgary as Michael mentioned bring your winter codes to that one because All of it
1: will be available on One Soccer. There all you of go. it will be available on One Soccer, so catch all the
0: fun uh, of that championship series. Yeah, good plug and certainly will be uh, we'll be talking about that on the podcast as well in the lead up to those two matchups. And, and as Michael said, very spicy ones as well. But uh, for this week's show, I think we'll wrap it up there. Michael, pleasure as always. Thanks very much, Mitchell.
1: Anytime you want to have me, I'm happy to
0: join you. And again, it'd be great to see some of you at the the rally event with Canada soccer and the Voyagers on the 11th. Um, I can't wait for footy talks to kick off over the next you know, month there's there's a lot to talk about MLS Cup playoffs, that Canada USA game, and uh, of course that KPL final as well. So we'll have plenty to cover on, on the show over the next couple of weeks. Thanks for listening.